0: Hey, you're listening to Melissa Unscripted, and we want you to know we love our listeners. We especially love when they send us ideas for new episodes they like to hear, and when they subscribe so they don't miss an episode. So share your ideas, hit the subscribe button, and keep listening. Well, you know, when it's you and I, you can just wake up and wear your pajamas and no makeup or anything, hair and all that.
1: You okay. You obviously don't know me at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do. That's why I'm trying to give you permission to do that.
1: <laughs> I don't do that with anyone. Okay. <laughs> I mean.
0: Well, just think, just pretend like you just woke out of bed with me and you're just talking, right? Well,
1: I, I, did, I did. I was lying in the bed and I thought, I, just, I can always look, I can always look good. And if I need to, but it's like a... <laughs> No, actually I had an eye doctor appointment this weekend, you know, they dilated my pupils, but it was weird where I had my surgery. It's been bugging me. And I said, is there something, is it just the scar or what? And she said, no, she looked way down in there. She said, do you have this hair? It's not an eyelash. It's embedded deep down in there. I don't know if it was since January.
0: Oh, that gives me oh. Uh, so they. I can handle any kind of surgery conversation. Anything, uh, but eyes bother me so bad.
1: You're like Rachel and Friends. Did you ever see that episode? Mm-hmm. She hated anyone touching her eye. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, so she could never get that doctor But so they numbed my eye and got it out. But it's just I don't know. It's. Been Did it weird.
0: had it grown into your eyeball? it start like growing legs and
1: stuff or yeah it did it was like no, it was like when she showed it to me it was like nothing you know anything that causes you a lot of problem when you actually see it it's nothing but but it was um no it was really pretty amazing so and so my eye feels a lot better after after six months it feels or eight it feels a lot better getting out of here oh
0: man i bet
1: and i think i've got some good (sighs) people Macy.
0: it must be the yard people
1: you think it's yard no it's friday they came yesterday <laughs> no it's um i don't know sometimes i get early morning visitors
0: uh do we want do we need to discuss this during the podcast or is this like no. a <laughs> conversation <after?
1: laughs> no. i mean but it is funny it's like usually that's why i get up and try and look good <laughs> first thing in the morning because <laughs> i never know he's gonna stop by. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Melissa Unscripted, the show that brings you tips, tales, and the truth about the real estate world. I'm your host, Dave Wilson, and with me always is the woman who is always ready for early morning visitors, Melissa Greer.
1: Do your windows get fogged up when you um wake up in the morning and your AC's been running?
0: Um, usually at the beginning of like a transition from like you know, spring to summer. Mm-hmm. But once it becomes hot, it usually is pretty good at not fogging up. Does that does that happen often on your house?
1: Well, I I don't know if it mattered. I woke up this morning, and I turned on my self cleaning oven, and it's gotten really hot in my kitchen. I don't know and why. We'll do That's exactly
0: I, what we'll do it.
1: Yes, yeah, because I I thought you know it's a good day to clean the oven, but it takes forever <laughs> for it to do it.
0: I woke up this morning (laughs) and
1: I thought, I'm going to clean my oven today. That's
0: obviously something you did before you took your ADD medicine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is funny (laughs) when you went in there to get my coffee and I said, I think I'll just hit this self-clean and that'll be a good thing to do today. So when I
0: have, I was at a a video shoot yesterday and I walk in and all the stuff is in like this huge room. There's nothing but a ginormous freezer slash refrigerator. Mm. And I'd take two steps in and I'd go right immediately out. I'm like, I can't film in there because my camera would take like three hours to acclimate because it would fall as soon as I went. From, oh, the cold, oh it that would makes completely sense. Completely fog up. And, it, and the whole internal temperature has to match the external temperature before it stops fogging because you can wipe it off. But it just fogs right back
1: up. Yeah, that would make that makes a lot of sense. That's why I'd, when we're taking pictures of houses, we don't open up the fridge.
0: <laughs> we no. don't
1: take we don't take the inside of the refrigerator as a picture yeah. people are going to have to use their imagination and think what's inside that you
0: know? this is a that's a great tip right there for all real estate agents i,
1: I do want to <laughs> say you can just definitely quote me on that yeah we do not take the inside this, of is, this is why
0: she's so successful
1: america <laughs> any other trivial tips on that? <laughs> actually today what we are going to talk about something that could be helpful for buyers and realtors
0: right? yeah for sure i'm excited I, i'm really interested in this and so, now, so,
1: so what is our topic now yeah. just kidding <laughs> well
0: I, i'm actually really interested in it because we were the last time we had our conversation you're talking about it being a seller's market if you're a buyer what does that mean for you i mean because that's because a seller's market is great for sellers
1: well for a buyer it means stress and anxiety and You know, it's interesting for sellers, seller, it's great because if you've got a product that everyone wants, that they're not, there's not a huge inventory, then the key there is you just get it on the market and price it reasonably. What's so interesting is pricing used to be so important. And now I, I find myself saying, we don't have to worry about pricing it too high. I'd price it reasonably. The market drives the price. So a lot of the times, depending on what price point that that we're in, the houses are selling for above asking price. So it's not that's not as important. Sometimes sometimes it's more strategic to actually price a house very reasonably and see what happens. So it's it really is tough for buyers. So if I were gonna advise buyers, and I do for a living, but if I were gonna advise buyers, and, and and I do work with as many buyers as I do sellers. I list homes, but I love I love to sell homes. I think the buyers, um, it's a it's a a quicker gratification. I mean, it's an easier process. But a seller's market hinders that because there are buyers and who are, have lost several homes because of multiple offer situations, which we find ourselves in right now.
0: Yeah, and you know, my my cousin was living in Seattle. And he was there for three years, and then um, he moved to, He just moved to Switzerland. Well, and so I feel t- so sorry for him. I know. It, wow. It, 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 I feel, California I just, to
1: Seattle Switzerland. Right. Wow. So he, he's, he just, he's like,
0: I'm just selling my house. I don't, think, I, I don't think the bubble can last this long by the time I get back. He goes, I, I just want to sell it now. And he came to our house on the way out, and he's like, yeah, we're selling our house on Friday. I'm like, what do you mean? You, you got a buyer ready? he goes, oh no we we put, we listed it and we said we're gonna take offers and accept off we're gonna take offers on thursday and accept all offers all we will accept the offer on friday so it, that's how he's like so i got to choose who my buyer was
1: yeah well we do that in the here
0: so it's starting to happen yeah. here like that i mean not today oh, but
1: no well actually it's been that way because we've seen a couple of years where inventory's been low it's in certain price points i mean the The higher you get, the less that happens. But it, I would say if you're under four hundred thousand, and you've got a house that's updated that shows well, um, you you could be very well in that situation. Now I haven't seen anyone pay three hundred above the house offer right. because that is actually a price. I mean that's a, usually. I mean, he must have had a really expensive house. Well, he bought,
0: he bought, and then the market exploded.
1: Yeah. I mean, but here, so say for an example, you had a $300,000 house Mm -hmm. and it was desirable and in great shape, and you put it on the market. We don't necessarily do what he did. Some agents might, but Mm -hmm. I always worry about that here because we're not quite being a smaller city we're not yeah. we, we're not in that bubble but what we do is we also we'll,
0: don't have amazon we also don't have google we well, actually don't, don't
1: we have amazon and not or,
0: not not the headquarters i mean I that's a, that's a i'm talking about the amazon you know in seattle yeah. you have rei you have some really big corporations where people come in yeah. with lots and lots of money so that's
1: but the, as the eternal optimist that i am yeah. we'll have those here soon. oh we're
0: going for it yes it's, absolutely it's,
1: it's happening yes <laughs> but um. But right now until it does, we are still our price point that, that gets in multiple offers is usually under five, four. It's in the anywhere from four below, I think, if if it's if there are no objections that can't be overcome. So we sit there and we have these houses and we put them on the market. And depending on our activity, the offers start coming in. So for instance, a house I listed last weekend. We probably had 22 showings in one day. 22. Wow. And what we do, it's so interesting because I've changed. Used to, I used to always allow overlapping showings as long as we notified agents that there might be other people, but we don't do that anymore. We actually do 30 minute intervals and let people, so it allows more showings. Otherwise, we're trying to, we're, we're fielding calls all day long for people wanting to get in them. But so when you have that kind of activity, you end up like one was nine offers. The other was, I, I think it was at least seven. And so, yes, they're coming in above ask. And so what we do is we, we when we have that kind of activity, we do what we call a highest and best time frame. So we'll say, you know what? We need a highest and best um, by say, we look at our schedule and say our last showings Saturday at 10 that we have on our schedule. So at that point, we'll say, give us your highest and best by Saturday at noon. And when we do that, by that time, any offer that's in can change their offer or we can get any new ones. And then at noon, we we do, we present the offers. We usually try and present them as they come in, but we do present every one of them, go over the options with the settlers and, and let them choose what they feel like is the one they want to take. And it, it's an interesting thing because, as a buyer's agent, when I'm in that situation, that's where you have to really be competitive and work hard for your client. Like, what do you and, tell
0: your client in that kind of situation? Like, how do you coach them? How do you talk well, them through? Like, what Well, they-
1: you know, I always there's a couple of things I do. First of all, I say whatever we do, you don't want to have any regrets whether you get it or you don't. So, what that leads them to is very simple. Is don't offer more than it, if you get it, you're going to say, oh my gosh, I didn't want to get it, or that makes me too nervous, or it's too much money. I'm not comfortable with that. And, I, and on the flip side, don't think that they'll counter with you because if it's a highest and best, usually they're going to take one offer and move on. They're not going to counter. They may if it's just one minor detail. But So what I usually do is I reach out to the agent and I try and find out what's the seller's ideal closing date. Tell me, a little. I want to do a little research so I can advise the buyer how to be competitive. So I try and find out what's their situation. What would help them? Do they need a delayed closing? Do they need something fast? Can we accommodate that? So that's one thing. The other thing we do, which is always important even not in a multiple offer situation is you want the buyer, if they're getting a loan, they need a strong pre-approval letter. And I always say, try to use a lender that's well respected in the realtor community because sometimes that makes a difference. If a lender, if a realtor has multiple offers and they see a pre-approval letter from a lender that they know always you know is
0: it doesn't fall through. Yeah.
1: yeah, then that that means something. If it's a lender that, that no one's ever heard of, sometimes that could hurt. It just depends and and that may not be fair, but but in a situation where you're competing you you have to really look at look at you have to try and get in the listing agent's head and think what is going to be appealing to them and get in the seller's head what's going to be appealing to them and find that out. The other thing that I always feel like we've got to do and so you present the offer with that letter. If it's a cash offer, you have to have what we call a verification of deposit and you want to present your offer with that. And that's a letter from a bank or something that shows that the buyer has the funds because otherwise, I mean, you and I can make a cash offer. I'm not sure I could do it. Could, I mean, I mean, I'm like, okay, I can make a cash offer, but I would have to probably get a loan to get that cash. So, so at the end of the day, that's not a cash offer. So that's what we want to make sure the seller feels very comfortable. The other thing you do is it's not just price it's terms. So that's why we find out what the seller wants what their time frame is, but also I encourage my buyers to do high deposits because sometimes that speaks very loudly to a seller. One of our deposits is a due diligence fee that is immediately non-refundable. You get it back at the closing toward the purchase price, but if you don't close, the seller keeps that.
0: Oh, gotcha. So that way, the seller sees you're really interested. in it. You're, yeah. not, you're not. You're not ready to back out because if I just if I put down, let's say, five thousand instead of two thousand. Yeah. Would let's say two thousand the minimum. Then yeah, the person who's putting down five thousand saying, "Look, I'm I'm hedging my bet. I'm letting yeah. you know. I'm I'm dead serious and I'm not backing out."
1: Yeah, and it, that interesting point there, and it's what it really is. That's where you've got a buyer and what because you're putting that money down without having a home inspection, without having an appraisal. So you really have to feel comfortable that I want this house no matter what, you know, I want this house. And, um, and usually if a seller gets above asking price, it's very rare that they'll sell that house as it is. I mean, I think they're grateful for that. So, you know, usually in a really good situation, We just have to guide people through it. And of course, a realtor can look at comps. They can know what the market is so that if you're getting in a multiple offer bidding situation, you need to make sure that your buyer is either okay paying above what it might appraise for or that you know that it would appraise for that. Yeah, it's just but I mean, it is it's it's all about communication to me. I mean, communication with your client, communication with the listing agent. Communication with the lender. Sometimes I have the lender call the listing agent and tell them how qualified my buyer is. Also, spent my career playing well with others, so mm-hmm. I, I want other realtors to like me and want to work with me, and know that I I bring qualified buyers. Like my mother always said, the one thing that arrives before you do is your reputation, so you always want to make sure that's something that you don't have a whole lot of control over that gets their way before you do so well i, I
0: love that the first thing you said on that was really setting up the buyer mentally mm. for for um for rejection if it happens right or for a a non-buyer's remorse purchase so you're exactly. mentally preparing your buy your buyer for this transaction I love that because i mean that's that's a lot of peace of mind i mean there's a lot of real even if you don't have anxiety there's a lot of real anxiety going in when you spend that kind of money so that really does help them you know well
1: and and even as an agent you want to feel like you've done your best and we'll either get it or we won't but we've done our best to try and do everything we can possibly do to get it and then for some reason of course i always like for my clients to get their houses but we of course i don't we don't win every time and when we don't what why are we doing this podcast i, should I, I, <laughs> I think that was something i should not have disclosed actually we get every no, multiple situation said, yeah. you know? but the truth is is when we don't and this is so interesting and i tell people this all the time i say it wasn't meant to be your house it, it wasn't meant to be we're going to find something you'll like better and in The many years I've done this, which I'm not going to, I've stopped saying how many. um, But in the many years I've done this, I've never seen someone not do that.
0: My first house, one of my friends, it didn't say the exact same thing, but it was the same scenario. We're trying to buy our first house. First house, I'm newly married. We find one we really love and we didn't get it. And he told me before we started making an offer, he goes, don't fall in love with a house until you own it. It's like, just don't mm-hmm. don't do that because you you're gonna you're gonna have heartbreak after heartbreak until you find the one that that is yours.
1: That's true, but you do love it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. I mean, that's, it, but it's that's it's the, the thing. It's that. your home. That's yeah. good. That, yeah. That's good advice. But it is. It's like it's like when you first meet someone and start dating them, mm-hmm. you don't want to love them. You may want to see them all the time, but you're like, uh. Uh-uh, you want to see let the me potential. Just wait. I need to get to know this person before yes. I actually love them. Yes. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. and so you have to, but I hear, when, I mean, that's in a perfect world. That's the way to do it. Well, and I'm still searching that. for that perfect world. Yeah. So, have you found it? <laughs> I, I haven't it. found it. a long time ago. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like, as, you know, it's the same thing. It's like falling in love with someone at first sight. That's never usually the relationship that's going to be the easy one. But that's what realtors are for <laughs> yeah. when houses are concerned is good realtors. They'll keep you from falling in love with the wrong house, you know, cause they're, we're trained to see red flags. We're trained to see objections that can't be overcome. That's what I always say is when I'm working with a buyer, I say, let's look for, if you love something, we just need to look for any objections that we can't overcome. But in a, in a seller's market, it's interesting, like houses with objections are selling. So you see that, like if, when I talk about objections that can't be overcome, sometimes is does it back up to a busy road? Is there something, you know, does it have a steep driveway? Those are things you can't fix, you know? So at the end of the day, those houses even are selling now. So in a really good seller's market, you know, you're going to buy a house that may have objections that if you sell it, you want to, I mean, it's hard to control, but you want to sell it in a seller's market because if you sell it in a buyer's market, those are the houses that may take a while. So.
0: Well, I know this is putting you on the spot. I know there's not one answer uh, to this question, but if you could offer advice to a buyer right now in this market, like what would be the one piece of advice you would give them right now before you start buying a house, before you start making offers?
1: I would get. A really good pre-approval letter with a respected local lender or a lender that's respected nationally, either one. I would have that ready to go. I would I would be willing to put down some high deposits if I were in a multiple offer situation. And, you know, just affiliate or connect with a realtor that that is well respected as well in your community and is on, you know, the thing about it is you want a full-time realtor at that point in time because a lot of times on my listings, I'll get calls from clients of other realtors who are out of town or they can't reach them. And sometimes time is of the essence.
0: Especially the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, the highest and best timeframe isn't always a week. Sometimes it's a day. Make sure you're on some kind of website where you're notified of new listings immediately. The biggest thing, too, is just to remember, if you don't get it, it's not, there'll be something better. There always is something better. Well,
0: I think that was really good best.
1: I do have to run it. Oh, do you any more questions today?
0: No, but I learned a lot today. Did you? To well,
1: thanks, now I've, I've got to run, but I can't wait to learn it.
0: Yeah, this has been fun. Okay.
1: Have a great day. All right, you too. Talk to you later.
0: Okay. <laughs> Melissa Unscripted is produced by Tiger Moth Creators helping businesses and nonprofits leverage the power of their story. Find links and show notes at melissagreer.com. And so you'll never miss a show, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And make sure you give us a good rating. That's it for now. See you next time.